Hey friends, welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Our purpose for this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I'm so glad that you clicked play today. Today, we're dedicating this podcast to talk about the middle school years. These are fun and sometimes challenging years for both middle schoolers and the middle schoolers' parents that you, or maybe soon to be you, or maybe you've come through it and you've got some thoughts, stay tuned today. Listen, middle school years are all about change. So much is changing. Bodies are changing. Minds are changing. Kids are forming their own opinions. They're noticing how the world works in new ways. Parents can be surprised by the new opinions and the new ways that our kids are engaging. Well, I'm so happy that you're here today, and I am excited to introduce you to my guest for today's show, Cynthia Tobias. Let me introduce her, and then I'll bring her onto the show. For more than 30 years, Cynthia has been teaching people of all ages how to discover and use the strengths of their natural learning style to succeed in virtually any situation. She's written 14 books, is a speaker, and the founder and CEO of Apple Street, Cynthia's latest books include The Way We Work and A Woman of Strength and Purpose. In addition to her classics, which she wrote, You Can't Make Me, The Way They Learn, Every Child Can Succeed, and Bringing Out the Best in Your Child. She co-authored the book called Middle School, The Inside Story, which is particularly why I wanted to bring her on today. So Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stacey. It's so good to be here. Glad to have you here. Why don't we just start off with you introducing yourself and your family, your children? Well, I, I'm married with uh, twin boys. They're turning 32 years old next month. And so I've been through a lot with them and just had a wonderful time with these two redheads two minutes apart from each other. They look like repeat and repeat even now, but they're so opposite in learning styles. It's like God gave me my own in-home laboratory from the very beginning, thinking I'm going to kind of semi-retire after 30 some years, but God keeps keeps me on track and doesn't want to let me do that. So my background is in teaching public high school, being a police officer for several years at the same time, which was interesting. And then I've been doing this for, well, this is my 36th year of doing this full time. And I just love it. God is, is really blessing. And when you say this, it's writing books and speaking, you've traveled around the world. You've been a consultant (laughs) for many very large corporations, helping people understand how they learn and how to teach. Is that correct? Right. And and I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I'm always humbled at how God uses the information because I'm really just the channel that he uses. And, and someone will come up and say, oh, something you said changed my life. And I'll say, well, I mean, I think I appreciate you saying that, but I can't change anybody's life. But I am humbled to see how some really positive and practical information makes a difference and how God uses it. When I went to get my graduate degree in learning styles, I knew that I didn't want to do the ivory tower thing. I knew I would stay there and delve deep into the research, the sort of boring research to try to get to what the real solid empirical evidence was. And then my gift and my calling was taking all this good, solid empirical research and translating it. I'm in in other words, what person? So I want to bring it to the street where everybody lives to say, you know, if you want to see where the information came from and you want to wade through that deep research, I can certainly lead you to that and you can do that. But if all you want to know is, in other words, 
here's what works and here's why it works. And here's how I know it works. Then I'm your girl. That's awesome. And people can understand the deep data, but then bring it into our world to make it so practical. I love that. Lynn Jackson, one of our co-founders, she's amazing at that also. And we love her for that. That's great. Well, if anyone wants more information about all of all of the learning styles, things that you do and the books that you've written, we're going to have all that information on our show notes where you can learn more about that. But today I want to talk about middle schoolers. Yes. You wrote a book about that a little while ago. And it's been a bit since your kids, your two sons were in middle school, but I know you did a lot of research when you wrote that book. And my kids are just getting out of high school. So it was just a few years ago. I have some good memories still (laughs) from middle school. Middle school brings tons of change. It can be a struggle right? Middle schoolers and parents were wondering, how are we meant to show up now that things are different? And so I just wanted to start off because you interviewed a lot of middle schoolers and they talked about these unwritten rules that they feel the pressure to follow that parents probably don't understand. What are some of those unwritten rules that they told you that they have to, they feel like they have to live by? Well, let me give just a little background too. I'll be honest. I I loved teaching high school. That was my wheelhouse. And so when Focus on the Family asked about writing a book for middle schoolers, I've always kind of avoided that, right? Because I did go through it with my own boys and their friends and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, kind of a different animal. And um, I didn't really... But, but I got to, I thought about it, prayed about it. My good friend, Sue Acuna, who is my co-author, is a middle school teacher. And we spent two years, the better part of two years, with about a total of probably 200 middle schoolers, a lot of hers and a lot of others, and just immersed ourselves in, in getting to know them and finding out about them. And I'll tell you the truth. I just fell in love with them. I was always a little standoffish and thinking, oh boy, I'm glad I don't have to teach middle school, but I just love them. By the end of this two years, not only did we really connect with them, but we really had a better understanding. And in, for me, in my whole life, a better understanding ever than I'd ever had to what they're really going through. And, and this was one of the breakthroughs. When you talk about the unwritten rules, it took us a while to break down some of their barriers because to ask them, you know, what do you really think? So we'd say, you know, like, what are your fears? And they'd give us all the typical things. Well, you know, the loss of a parent, a shooting at school, all these typical ones. And then because we were getting to know them and they trusted us, we said, yeah, but really, like, what's your greatest fear? And unanimously, almost almost 100% among all these 200 middle schoolers, they all had the same answer. Mm-hmm. Looking stupid. That's my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. And the more we got to know them, of course, when in the middle school years in puberty, which is now between the ages of nine and 13, can you believe it? As early as nine, we're talking maybe a third grader starts puberty. Well, all kinds of things are happening to their body that they don't understand. They don't understand who they are. They're awkward. They're embarrassed about so many things. They can grow, their hands and feet grow like puppies, right? They grow before the rest of their body does. Yeah. And, and so they, they don't understand what's happening. Why do I look this way? Why do I trip over my own body? You know, and they're embarrassed a lot of times. You go from being a child almost overnight to being a middle schooler because one day you're a child where your parents are making the decisions for you and helping you with everything. 
And then suddenly the next day when you're a middle schooler, you're supposed to be taking some responsibility and you're supposed to be figuring out how things work and you don't even know what happened. And so one of the, the best revelations for me with them was it's, it's not about all this scientific knowledge that you have to have as a parent. It's just about this understanding. I just have to be, I have to understand that this is a struggle for them, that they don't have any idea who they are any more than I do. You know, you hear parents say, I don't even know this child anymore. Well, congratulations, because they don't either. They're trying to figure out who am I? And so our role as a parent changes from being a directive, you know, do this, do that. You need to wear this. You need to do this to trying to coach them a little more about recognizing how to take that responsibility and yeah, being and that is, a lot more patient with them. Good. And, and that is where I want to go because with all of these changes, it must be scary to them. I mean, it just must be, you know, when I don't know how to show up, I don't know if I'm going to be accepted or not in school. I don't, you know, I'm seeing all this behavior and um, who should I tell like with the people, the kids around me and who, and I, I know it's not right, but I, I want to be cool with everyone else. And parents are trying to understand who this child is. So it's a rocky time. And the next question is, how does our parenting change? In this time, because we are used to making dinner and laying it out for them and helping organize their life. And, and now they're getting more independent. And as a parent, I don't know, should I insert myself or not? Well, you know, one of the easy ways uh, is to just ask a few more questions instead of saying, here, you don't forget this and don't forget that. Hey, listen, do you need me to remind you about this? Because I know it's important tomorrow. Or do you have a deadline? You do. Okay. So how will I know that you met that? Instead of saying, I need to know and you need to, and you need to, and you need to. Mm -hmm. Just kind of shifting a little, not only responsibility, but some trust on the small things so that you can start to build their confidence on some bigger things. And do what you can to avoid a real directive bossy tone, because then they're going to become defensive and they they really do need you to be their parent. They do. They don't. But they need it in a different way. Not as many hugs, certainly not in public, but they still need that physical touch. Right. I mean, yeah. even if it's just a little fist bump or you bump up against their shoulder or you give them that little one armed hug where it's not as big a deal, they really need to know that that's still there. They just yeah. don't want to feel like they're a kid and their friends and peers are going to watch their mom give them a hug and hand them their lunch before they go in. That's just horrifying. But we did that just a few months ago. And so all of a sudden they're horrified by it. And so you're really navigating these waters together. And so talking to them about it helps them recognize it and understand and gives them a chance to say, no, mom, don't, don't. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest and first things that can happen that really does help keep that foundation and that connection between you and your middle school. I think I had some permission from my two girls because I did love like just smooshing big kisses on their cheeks, <laughs> even in middle school, even in high school, I think, yeah, like when I could. And, and I even remember some of their friends would kind of smirk at them, then at me, but I knew their friends. <laughs> so yes. yeah, middle schoolers are just going through so much, no matter if they're in public school, if they're in private school, Christian school, if they're homeschooled, right. there's just so much coming at them that I think brings 
just chaos. You know, they just wonder what is right? What is not right? What is true? What, where is my faith? You know, what do I believe about my faith? Relationships and, you know, this wide world of dating, there is so much coming at them. And parents, I think are wondering, like, how do I insert myself into that? I, I think that I found at that time, it was hard to feel like, to be cool, right? I, I got the eye rolls a lot more in middle school. Right. So the question is like, what does God want from us as we parent during this time? And then what do our kids want from us? And and especially when it comes to God, my co-author, Sue Acuna, she was just, she just barely retired and she was just a phenomenal middle school teacher. And she taught at a Christian school. And especially when we worked with her kids, they would say, well, I don't really... I can't really talk to my parents about God because they'll think that I don't believe in him anymore and they'll get all panicky and Mm. they, you know, they're going to think I'm walking away. And, and so they would come and talk to Sue because she would tell them each year over and over, look, God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid Mm -hmm. of, of you doubting him and wondering and pushing the envelope on things. It's okay to talk to him about that. And it's okay to have those feelings and, and let God, you and God can work this out together rather than feel like, oh my goodness, I can't say anything because they're going to think I'm all of a sudden an atheist or, you know, and the, again, shifting that responsibility and getting your middle schooler to think about it. Or if they say, I don't want to go to church anymore. Instead of just panicking and saying, you are going to go to church, you've always gone to church and say, well, let me ask you this. What is it about church that makes you uncomfortable? Why don't you want to go anymore? Well, it's just really too boring. Well, I guess some people feel that way. What parts of it do you think are boring? I mean, get them thinking and get some reasons and don't panic. It's it's this is the time in their life where you relax the grip on the wheel a little. You don't let go, not ever mm-hmm. let go, but you're relaxing your grip and you're not panicking it. They kept saying over and over, I don't want all oh, my parents will freak out. Well, they just I say this and they just freak out. So again, I would emphasize just stay calm. And even if they say something that's totally outrageous, just go wow, okay. I hadn't thought Mm -hmm. of it that way. But I mean, Mm -hmm. keep your voice calm. Don't take the bait. And Mm -hmm. your voice being calm and your demeanor being calm will help settle them down because they can't reel it back in very well yet. They're just, they're going to be hot, cold, Mm -hmm. on, off. And so it's it's important for you to be steady and Mm -hmm. for you to just smile and I love you. You know, I'll always love you. Yeah. Do you want me to stop kissing you in front of your friends and then smile and they're going, yes, please. <laughs> or, or just, you know, I mean, keep that sense of humor going and yeah. don't point out uh, things that could embarrass them. We, we talk about in the, in the book, you know, do subtle things like move that cup that's on the edge of the table when they've got their head turned, just kind of slide that back up. So they don't bump that elbow into it or don't, don't have them sit in the middle of the pew in church or at a movie theater where they have to climb over people. They are going to be clumsy. They are going to trip. It's going to be embarrassing. Let them sit on the edge. Try to design 
areas and environments and situations where you prevent as much embarrassment and never, 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 they were quite clear about this, never, never, never tell an embarrassing story about them completely demoralized Mm -hmm. by parents who are embarrassing them. You think Mm -hmm. the stories are cute. It's so funny because his hands are so much bigger. Don't talk about that in front of your friends. (laughs) Don't, don't say, isn't that cute? And oh, wait, he did the cutest thing the other day. No, no, mom, please. He wants to be big. Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is what we heard over and over and over. And the time we spent together with him and they were so funny that way because they'd say, is it okay to tell you that? Is it okay yeah. to say this? Because we really just don't like this. Or so it was. It's really endearing in many ways. It, it was for me, but I remember quite clearly with my boys, especially seventh grade for boys. For some reason, all through seventh grade, they'd say, "Oh, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends." I said, "All seventh graders feel that way." No, they don't. Mm. Yes, they do. And then mm. the next year, they would look back and go, "You're right." <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. you just, you just have to get them through it. Yeah. Smile more yeah. than you feel like it. Smile more than you feel like it. Just mm-hmm. keep your sense of humor. Nice try. Oh, nice try. That was a good shot, but that's not going to yeah. work again. Just kind of roll off what you can. Don't try mm-hmm. to be too deadly serious and too crowded. Mm-hmm. When I think about all that you just said, so good. Don't panic. Smile more than you want to <laughs> let things roll off. Really be thinking about not embarrassing your child. Those are all so good. And I, I think about what helps me as a parent be able to do those things during this time. And I and I think that one thing is just understanding what you said even at the beginning. They're working on figuring this out. Who am I? Like, what is this? Their body is changing. Their brains are changing. And it feels confusing. The world feels confusing, especially right now in history. It feels confusing. To me, that just brings so much compassion as mm-hmm. a parent. And the other thing is that when I can... can parent my kids kind of grounded in who God is. God's got the long game. So I have the long game. You know, this is just a season of parenting. This is just a season of my kids' life, of their developmental stages. And so God's got it. And so even those questions around faith, they can be very triggering. I don't want to go to church anymore. Like you said that, that is a hard one when you hear it and it strikes fear into a parent's heart. But, you know, your advice was just great. Ask questions. Cynthia, you don't know this, but I and a colleague here at Connected Families, we wrote an online course actually called Less Arguing More Wisdom, but that's all it. Like get curious and ask questions and hold back the panic and just ask that question. What's going on in you right now? Because I want to get to know you more. Yeah. Let's talk about in middle school. Let's talk about grades for a minute, because Mm, yes, please. One of the things that that causes a lot of pressure amidst all this emotional upheaval, amidst all these physical changes, then if you get a whole lot of pressure on getting your grades and getting your homework and push, push, push to get those A's, consider this. There's a reason that your permanent record doesn't start until high school, ninth grade. Then your permanent record. Prior to that, your grades are not recorded anywhere. They don't haunt you. They don't prevent or help you get into college. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't matter because, of course, you don't just suspend it and say, it doesn't mean you can goof off. It means that you loosen that grip a little on the grades issue. And 
part of that is even with the learning style saying, what's going to help you study at home? Where would you like to be? Would you rather be in a relaxed atmosphere? Would you like to do it on the couch instead? Help them experiment. These are th- these are the years, the middle school, that's, that's sixth, seventh, eighth years that you get to experiment a little with what works in, and you still have a safety net. In other mm-hmm. words, those grades aren't going to be critical. They're not like life or death grade. And and so if I fall down in it, if I get an F, if I get a D, if I if I just haven't figured it out. Now, if it's a pattern, of course, you deal with it. But there are just going to be times when forgiveness is a big thing. Just just forgive that and and move on. And don't worry if it was a C and I wanted it to be a B. Because mm-hmm. the important thing is, what did you learn? What's the point? What was the point of that? And is there something, you know, I can't. I don't know why I have to do 25 math problems when I already know what works in five, in the first five. And there's yeah. there's some truth to that. So so you work through it. You have a safety net academically that you're not going to say it doesn't matter what grade you get, but it, but you are going to, as a parent, get a mindset that says, listen, it doesn't have to be straight A's. It's not even going to start really being recorded until high school. So let's take this time to practice what it takes to get a good grade. You know, you might take a few risks to say, well, I'm going to try this and it didn't work. So I got a bad grade. Okay. But what would you have done then? What do you think would work if that didn't work? So in other words, you're still holding them accountable, but you're not insisting that every single thing they do be for that good grade. And and we also, in talking to the kids, you know, they get a lot of pressure, sports, activities, all these things that you're expected to do. Well, to a certain extent, that's that's good, but you, it can be overdone. Again, it's going to, there's a pressure cooker that they're in during this time and something, it, it could be one step too far. Don't mm-hmm. push your agenda on them. Help them develop their agenda. What do you mm-hmm. feel like you can do? What do you want? Is there something you feel like you really like to draw? Um, yeah, I want to drop my music lessons. Well, that's your most prized thing. I, I have these dreams for you that you're going to play the piano. Tell you what, how about a six-month vacation? How about a six-month hiatus where you don't you do not do the music part? And then let's reassess. You know, did mm-hmm. you miss it? Do you feel like you have more time now? Again, you're shifting responsibility to them. You're shifting the decision-making to them while you're still having your hands on the wheel, holding on to a safety net, and you're still holding on to accountability. You can't be lazy. You can't be goofing off completely, but you do have some leeway because this is a tough time. What I heard you say, and that I love is, hey, child, we're on the same team. I'm asking you questions and I'm coming alongside of you and I want you to win this game. And I know that just like anyone who plays any sport, you're not going to win every single game, but we're going to win the end game. So I'm going to let you maybe fail with a D or an F, but we're going to learn the lessons and we're going to tweak what's working or what's not and, and then keep going. And there's so much grace in that. And there's so much calling out of ability in your middle schooler. Hey, I know you got this. No big deal. Like, you know, this little thing didn't work out so well. So, hey, you know, we're smart people. We can learn from that and we can move on. And so that teamwork is just a really, a really big thing. Something you said that's also very key is we can let them fail. It doesn't do them any favors 
to to shield them from failure because this is the time with the safety net that failure can be a real learning curve if we don't teach them as you know well if we don't teach them how to deal with failure the rest of their life is going to be miserable because mm-hmm. nobody's going to bring what they for the homework they forgot to school nobody's going to pick up the slack for them they have mm-hmm. to practice doing that and and so let them fail your protective instincts are good, but don't go overboard. You know, I, I'm really sorry this happened. It's it's a tough yeah. lesson. I can remember learning it too. So I, I do understand that this is really tough. But do you mm-hmm. also understand what happened? Let's figure out what's not going to happen next time so that you won't fail. Yeah. I can remember in middle school with one of my girls who is super smart. <laughs> she, I, I'm getting these reports back from the teacher. The papers weren't getting turned in. And and I was like, what? Just could hardly even believe it. We went through, we went through middle school years then. And I would like to say that it was not more than just one year. It was multiple years where my mantra was, I could care less about your grades. I don't care. And she would resist that. Yes, you do. I know you don't. I got to prove it over time. I don't care. I'm not looking at the report cards when they come. Here's what I care about. I care that you know what's due when. Right. And, and that's what, right. so then it that's it right. did become a coaching conversation with her. Like what's due when, and we would meet maybe, maybe once a week, we would check in what's due when you're going to get that turned in. And what do you need from me? How can I help you with that? And it was, it was a time where I was then, you know, checking in a lot less in middle school than in grade school. And so in that way, I was holding her responsible for right. her grades. Following up on that. If you don't remember anything else, as far as tips, try to always avoid using the words why and you in the same sentence. In other words, instead of saying, I don't understand why you, and and then that's, we're done. It's, that's Mm -hmm. doomed. Doing what you were talking about saying, well, what can we do? Where do you think we went wrong here? And you can even use we, because- Mm -hmm. The why and you is very accusatory and creates an instant defensiveness. It does mm-hmm. that in all ages, by the way, obviously. Mm-hmm. But especially when if I'm a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, I'm already insecure enough. When you say, why can't you, I just feel more failure and I feel defeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to end that little story because I think it gives hope for parents and gives them a long-term vision for all of this because my coaching with my daughter was around what system is going to work for you to help you know what's due when and then get those papers actually turned in. And I was resisting all my ideas for how to help her, right? And and then every so often I'd be like, well, I have an idea. Would you like to hear my idea? Like we can get dividers in your locker and we could, you know, you could put... Uh, you know, all these things, or how about a new binder or the, all the things. And do you know that she finally landed on a system that worked for her that I would have never thought of ever. And that was using post-it notes in her computer, middle school. She has a computer by then. And she's now studying for her LSAT in college and using the same system to organize herself. Yeah. Isn't that great? That good work (laughs) that we did back in middle school that really encouraged her and said, Hey, you can do this. I'm in this for the long haul. Even if we're working through different systems to help you organize yourself, it took a while. It took but us a, while. a lot of that is because you were wise enough to figure out, okay, what's the point? You know, the point mm-hmm. is 
being organized. And for example, I would tell my students, how will you know you're organized? Well, you can find anything you need in 60 seconds or less. So some of the systems that came through, I, I, I would, like you, I would have thought, oh my goodness, I would never have thought of that in a million years. But a wise mom like you did would say, okay, I've given you all these suggestions, probably more than you want. You tell me what is going to work. And yeah. that's what they need as a life skill, isn't it, Stacey? That's what yeah. they need as a life skill. How am I going to get past this? What's the point? What do I need in mm-hmm. order to accomplish this? Are there different ways to do it? So that's part of the maturing that I can do. And my parents can be so helpful by helping me do that instead of insisting that I try their way. And then if that doesn't work another one of their ways, and if that doesn't work another one of their ways, instead of saying, okay, obviously this is what's necessary. What do you think? So good job on that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I do kind of want to go into a nuance of this. I know I was even talking with some parents with some middle schoolers, and it's the line between like understanding if my child is actually able to do it or if there is a learning difference that we need to to kind of dive into and i wonder if you have any thoughts on that cuz middle school is just really hard it's like are they are they being distracted <laughs> maybe call it lazy they seem to get it done when there's you know an incentive there but if there's not it's such a struggle so how can a parent weed through that that difficulty i guess of of understanding that Well, it's interesting because you kind of have to differentiate between how much is a matter of learning style and how much isn't. How much is something else? Could be a learning disability. Most likely it's it's a transition that they're going through. It could be physical. It could be emotional. So many other things, probably transitory, probably not going to be there for the rest of their life necessarily. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, you get to know your child from the very beginning and you, you figure out, you know, one who's very organized, needs it step-by-step, the other one, very spontaneous, flexible, all that, that will still be present in them during this puberty period, but it won't look the same probably. And some things will disappear for a little while with an overwhelming emotional, physical transition that it just overshadows everything else and that those other strengths will emerge again and they will get them through it. But it, it's, it just takes a lot of understanding and some mm-hmm. things are just not able to be understood. They're just going to be inscrutable. You're going to look at them and go, don't know who you are. I, <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling you're not exactly sure either. So I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt here and let's just see how this works out because the main thing is we need this. So let's just, it's okay to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to kind of let this part go until we have figured it out. Just Mm -hmm. give a lot of grace, hold Mm -hmm. the boundaries, hold the accountability. I remember hearing a parenting expert say, you know, a lot of times when you first see your kids ride an amusement ride, a roller coaster, something scary there, but they're pushing on that safety bar. And they say, you think it's because they don't want it there, but most of the time it's because they want to know, will it hold? Will this hold me? Is it going to give? And so I'm going to push during certain periods of my life as a child, I'm going to push that safety because will you still be there? I mean, you say you still love me no matter what. How about this? Do you love me now? Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. this? Do you love me now? So, <laughs> so just it's, it's again, it's that lighten, relax the grip a little, give a lot of grace, hold the boundaries, 
yeah. but hold them lovingly and expect sometimes you can expect the worst write it out write it out just say it to yourself this is only temporary this is only temporary <laughs> smile more than you want that's right. Yeah. Keep smiling. And you've mentioned a few times, keep humor, keep humor. I had to work on humor, Cynthia. Like I would, I would cue yeah. up humor, like the phone, <laughs> little texts or little things. Or I would ask my husband who is much better at it than me. Like, yeah, what's something funny right now? <laughs> and, you know, you can combine the humor with the questions. You know, I can remember asking uh, Mike, I said, are you, are you trying to get me to yell at you? And he go, no, is that what's happening? And I went, we're really close. <laughs> we're just this close and we both be smiling. And yeah. you know, are, are you, are you actually going after a bad grade and you're smiling? Yeah. No, yeah. I just don't. It lightens anything that can lighten mm-hmm. the atmosphere just a little to say, look, I get it. I get it. I love you. I get it. And just give me grace. I'm, mm-hmm. I know that I can't get by with horrible things. I know mm-hmm. that the boundaries will still be there, but I got to have some grace. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, the tone of all of this is just mm-hmm. softness and grace and coming alongside of our kids and supporting them in the ways that they need. Yes, holding them responsible, but but we're we're coming alongside in different ways than it was in elementary school, and it's going to be different mm-hmm. ways than it will be in high school. And now I'm into college age, you know, young adults, it changes again. And so in some ways I'm like, Lord, this is not fair. I I get it. And then it changes and I've got a parent different, but that is, that is what we're saying. This is what happens in middle school. The very sobering thing to remember is they watch you to figure out how do adults do this? Because what they're trying to figure out is how do I, how do I become an adult? I'm working on it. So I'm watching you to say, oh, that's how adults handle conflict. Oh, when they're frustrated, when you're an adult, this is what you do. So I can't emphasize enough the lead by example, especially even when you don't feel like it. Remember, they're watching for your reaction. So mm-hmm. your your voice may still be soft, but it's not really soft. It's steady and it's firm, but respectful. And you may have to repeat it a few times, but model for them the voice you want them to speak back to you model mm-hmm. the behavior you expect from them that's what you do one good example sue always used was you know you don't say hey close the door how many times i said close the door and she said is that how you treat your friend if they were there for coffee and they walked in and you'd treat your best friend saying hey close the door they wouldn't they wouldn't want to hang around you they don't want right. to be your friend if you're just going to sh- snap at them so so try to figure out model. How do I want them to talk to me? How do I want them to treat me? I want them to see this is how it's done. I did a little research and and Googled you, Cynthia, (laughs) and you have done these really darling videos. I think, what are they? 60 second or 90 second videos. Yeah. (laughs) And, and they're just little tips. And, and there was one that I just think is it's so great, especially for this conversation. And the title of it was, do you know what I like about you? Right. Could we just end our podcast today with you just explaining what you were teaching in that 90 second video clip? And we'll have that clip in the show notes too. I think it's just so key for all time, but especially middle school. Right. And as my kids were growing up, I can remember being frustrated one night and just finally getting, putting them to bed and realizing 
the Lord really spoke to me. I, he said, what, what, how have you talked to them today? And all the, all the things I've said to them, all the mom things, you know, who put the milk in here without the lid in it? How many times have I told you, pick up this wet towel? Boys, for heaven's sake. And all the things, but I hadn't spent any time at all that day actually stopping to tell them something good and, and encouraging. And so we started two or three times a week from then on. They would come in and they were still at the at the point where they would snuggle with us at night. And that Mike would come in and I put my arm around him and say, hey, Mike, you know what I like about you? And he <laughs> he loves this part. So he'd come and what? I love how you you just went over and helped grandma without her even asking you and how you said something you shared with your brother with that. And I'd go through it. And, and then, then it was his brother's turn. And they just blossomed because if you think about it, your husband, your wife, your coworkers, mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't love to to periodically hear from somebody, hey, by the way, have I told you lately what I like about you? And most of the time, the reply is, what? Because and then you think, I was thinking with my kids, they actually don't know. They actually couldn't tell me what I like about them. I want to make sure that I'm so positive, at least at times during the day or at some time when I just mention, hey, by the way, that's one of the things I really like about you. And it can't be un- overemphasized how important yeah. it is for building that self-esteem and that confidence. Cynthia, that was such a fantastic way to end our podcast because it's a beautiful way for parents to call out the giftings that God has put in our kids and to see, to notice how they are showing up in the world, even in that crazy time of middle school when they're trying to figure things out. So Cynthia, thanks so much for being here. Tell us more about where we can see that 90 second video clip and your new book where people can access that. And then we'll put all of those links in our show notes also. A lot of the 90 second clips are up on my YouTube channel under Cynthia Tobias. Just go to the channel part, find lots of topics. I'm also on social media at Facebook under Cynthia Ulrich Tobias, my author page. And we get a lot of memes and and resources and stuff there. And of course, the website, CynthiaTobias.com. On there, on the website, under resources, you can find two or three PDFs about middle school, strong-willed kids that you can just print off and use right away. Thanks for being with us today, Cynthia. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, friends. Find out more about Cynthia Tobias and all of her books and all the links in our show notes. But we are a listener-supported organization. Over 46,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time. 